Welcome to the show, Chuck Shoot Podcast. My guest today, Nicole Stewart. She is a fitness trainer and Pilates instructor and uh, one of the best around. She's trained A-list people like Kate Hudson, Anna Ferris, Anne Hathaway, Courtney Love, so many more. Uh, but you'll come to find out that uh, she's done a lot more than just training people. Um, she's also acted on shows like Criminal Minds, Ray Donovan, House of Lies, so many more. And she has a short film coming out, too, called uh, 40-ish. And so we'll talk about that, plus her whole story of just growing up in Vegas and moving around a lot to finally ending up in L.A. and enjoying all the success that she's had so far and more to come for sure. Uh, but it was really great chatting with her. She's a great story that involves uh, you know, taking chances, perseverance, and just a great work ethic. So check it out. Hello. Hi. Oh, that's much better. Okay, good. I thought it was uh, my end, maybe. How are you doing? No, it was mine. I'm good. How are you? Great. Well, thank you so much. Welcome to my show. Thanks so much for doing this. Um, so what I want to do is maybe talk about your story a little, because I think you have a really great story to get to the point to where you are. And then I want to talk about your career highlights. And then also we can talk about what people can kind of do to stay healthy and fit in this quarantine. Does that sound good to you? Yeah, sure. Why not? Okay, <laughs> great. <laughs> so uh, if I did my research right, you actually grew up in Las Vegas. Is that right? Now tell me what that's like, because I think people have this idea of the strip and it's very glamorous, but I've been outside of the, uh, Vegas and I know there's like Henderson, which is a nice suburbs, but there's also a lot of rough areas. So were you in the nice like suburb or were you in the not so nice parts? Oh, well, that's a loaded question. Um, <laughs> only been, <laughs> and I say that with, uh, I just, it's, yeah, um, humor and sort of curiosity of why we moved so many times. Um, yeah, I was all over Las okay. Vegas. I mean, oh. I grew up there in the 70s. And, um, and that's when, you know, I think Vegas was like the coolest. <laughs> mm -hmm. because it was such a small town and it really was just the strip and a little bit outside of the strip and yes there was Henderson and Lake Mead and North Las Vegas and lots and lots and lots of desert well now I mean it's just grown so much it doesn't right. have the charm I guess it used to have um when I go back there, everything sort of supersized me and, you know, used to be able to cross the street. Uh, the strip was like two lanes, you know, mm -hmm. you wouldn't have to take a tram and the hotels were of a normal size, not <laughs> ginormous. Right. So it's sort of crazy when I go back there and look around, I don't go back that much. I just, I have a few friends who live there, but I never really go back to visit because my mom lives here. Oh, okay. Um, but for me growing up there, it was, it was quite interesting because my mom was a single mom and she um, was a camera girl at Caesar's Palace. So I would go to work with her a lot. So I spent a lot of my time around that glamorous part of Las Vegas, mm. you know, seeing all the shows and the showgirls, and then my mom was a camera girl, which means she would go around to people's booths in the showroom to take pictures. Oh, like for tips and, and stuff, or like how does that work? Well, commission, commission, okay. and hourly, and tips, and 
you know, she did that for 13 years and it was, you know, that's before pictures were such a instant, instantaneous thing where it was like the first people to do that, you know? So people would go to Vegas and then they'd go home with these memories and they'd get their memories back by the time the show was done. So it was quite a novelty and it was, you know, people did it for a living forever, you know, and I think it still exists now. The man who started it, his name was Morgan Cashman. He recently passed, um, I think last year, but um, I believe his business is still going. It's not like it was, obviously, because now we have the cell phones and all the stuff. Yeah. But um, so, yeah. No, so I was just gonna say so. So then, but for your thing, that that's where you started dancing. That was kind of where your background is. Uh, I know you do fitness stuff now, and you've moved into acting and movies. But you started as a dancer. You were inspired by movies like Fame, right? Yeah, Fame, and then all the shows I would see really, really inspired me to. It's just sort of what I thought I would do you know, is either be a camera girl or uh, uh, an entertainer. Like, I didn't really know anything else. Did you think about being a showgirl? Was that something that you had thought of maybe you could do that someday? Yeah, of course. Of course. But then I remember there was a girl who I always admired and looked up to. and She got into a show, Flash, and she was in Flash for, oh my God, 25, 30 years. Wow. And, you know, I just felt like, I don't know, I felt like there was more to life than staying in a show that long. Yeah, that's a long time. And everyone, everyone always said, you know, you get, you know, and even she said to me, you know, I got sucked in, I got paid really well, and then I kept getting bumped up, and then the owners of the show would give me all these presents, and, you know, they made it really hard to leave, you know, because then you're like, well, what am I going to do after this? Mm-hmm. Or am I going to make money like this anywhere else, you know? Yeah. But I think she regretted it, staying in for so long, um, and that just really stuck with me, and then I was lucky enough, I had a friend who... Um, was in a show and she called me she's like oh my god we need a dancer in the show it's starting in two weeks do you want to do it you want to come meet the uh, producers and then I did and I just I literally got hired and I had to learn this whole show in like a week Um, and that was pretty crazy but we took it on the show or on the road to Las or not Las Vegas Texas Texas right yeah but before Houston, that, Texas. yeah, yeah. But before that, when you started as a dancer, I thought this was an interesting story. You, you learned the your basically your work ethic from your dance teacher when you were a kid. Because I guess one time you you didn't rehearse and you went in to see the dance teacher and she just laid into you to the point that you mm-hmm. were crying. And your mom, mm-hmm. instead of your mom saying, "Okay, we're taking you away from that mean dance teacher," your mom said, "Well, you're going back there." And then that's kind of what taught you to practice your ass off. Was that kind of out of like fear or shame or like what drove you? Because you, you say that she was a big inspiration to you. She really you know taught you how to have a work ethic, right? Yeah, no, for sure. Well, I mean, it, she told me the truth, <laughs> as, you know, like yeah. she called me lazy. She was like, you're lazy. And she was right because I didn't go home and practice. 
that's when I showed up again and I was like, I didn't remember anything from what we had learned from the previous week. And that was because I didn't do the work. Mm. And it was just, you know, uh, early <laughs> young lessons to learn. Um, or uh, what am I trying to say? It was a hard lesson to learn at a very young age, but I also think it was very beneficial. How old were you when that happened? Me? I don't know. I I want to say like um, 10, 11. Okay, yeah. So 9, 8. Pretty young. I don't, yeah. Pretty young. But, I mean, she just had a way with her words. It wasn't that she yelled or screamed at me. She was very direct. Mm-hmm. Um, and her, na- her name is Inez Morning. Um, she just really taught me that work ethic and to show up. And if you don't get it, just keep doing it over and over and over and over repetition. And that's just always stuck with me with everything I've done. Yeah. And you did dance for a long time. So how many hours a week were you putting in to dance for like your childhood through high school? Because I mean, you were doing practices and classes and all that stuff, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, I was under a scholarship with her. For, and I think I had to do 14 to 18 hours of dance a week. Wow. Like, yeah. So it was school dance, school dance, school dance, and then performances and all of that. So that really kept me busy and away from a lot of the craziness and insanity in my home life. Huh. So what was the insanity was, of your home life? <laughs> um, so grew up in... How do I put it? My mom, made, well, first of all, my mom and dad divorced when I was really young. Sure. And I never, I never met my father, and he moved to New York, but I never really knew where he was. Mm. So that was always something. Is like you never grow up with something, so you never really know. So it was never very much touched upon mm-hmm. until I got older. And then it was definitely a piece that was missing in my life, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, and I never met him. When he ended up dying, when I was 14, we got a letter from mm. the Veterans Administration saying, because he was in the um, Korean War. Okay. But um, we found out through a letter wow. when he died. But it was about, we got the letter, I would say a month after he passed or maybe it was even three months after he passed oh my gosh. You know, because mail and the way things happen. Yeah. It wasn't immediate so that, like today's society. Exactly. It wasn't an email. Mm-hmm. So, um, so that was the beginning. And then my mom just made really bad choices with the men she was with. Um, to the point where it was just, it was, he was the, her second marriage. It was, um, abuse mm. mentally and, um, physically. Wow. And then I grew up in that environment. So that was pretty rough. Um, so you probably didn't then, want to spend a lot of time at home. So that was probably, no. like, dance was probably your escape to get out of there. Right. It, well, I always say art and dance saved my life. Mm. Wow. And then you decided, 
so you, you did say that you guys had that uh, show that you went to Texas, but then it was around this time too, that you decided you were going to quit dancing and actually learn to act. And you moved to New York to, and you started taking acting classes, right? Well, that happened before I went, I went to New York before I got okay. into that show. Actually, when I was 18, instead of going on my graduation class trip to Hawaii with everyone, I was determined to act or I wanted to, you know? So I said, I'm going to go to New York. So I went use that money instead and went to New York. And got an apartment with a friend of mine that I had met. And I, I remember her name, but I forget where I met her. But we were going to go to UNLV together as well. So we ended up getting an apartment in New York. And we stayed there for, I don't know, I was there probably a year. And that's when I studied at Stella Adler. And then I went back to go to college because. My mom was very much, um, you know, telling me you should go to college, you should mm -hmm. go to college. But I really had no direction. Yeah. She would tell me I should go to college, but <laughs> I just didn't know what I was doing. I was sort right. of all over the place with what I was studying, psychology and criminal justice. And I think I ended in communications. I went for three and a half years. I almost graduated. Oh, wow. Was that yeah. UNLV or was this at New York? Yeah. Or? Okay, UNLV. UNLV. Okay. And then, so that was after you moved to New York, you came back and went to UNLV and then, um, you and then know, I did the show. Yeah. You did the show in Texas and then you could have decided, given up on the acting and said, okay, well I tried that for a year in New York, didn't work out, but you decided again, you're like, well, I'm going to try something else. And then you moved to LA to become an actress. And then you got a job as a production assistant on a movie. Now, I, I don't know if I did my research, right, but tell me, was it with George Clooney? Was this the unbecoming age? Yes, it was. And that was before they, George Clooney was anything, right? Correct. Yep. I remember I delivered scripts to his apartment over in West Hollywood. <laughs> he was very nice. But, uh, yeah, he was, That's you know, riding around on his motorcycle. He was still in Roseanne, I think. <laughs> oh, okay. So he was kind of famous. Yeah, that's kind of neat. Kind of, yeah. Yeah. So what was that? So you're rent delivering scripts. What, what other things did they have you do as a production assistant? Well, it's funny because I started pre-production. Okay. And then once we got to shooting, they had liked me so much, and I guess I did such a good job. They promoted me to a second second AD, which I just thought was really funny because I didn't know what that meant, but I was <laughs> happy with it. Well, what does it mean? Um, I had to work more and work harder and do more things. I had mm. more responsibilities, and then they brought in somebody else, too you know, do all the other things that I was doing. So were you kind of like um, a gopher then, or just like a bunch of random responsibilities? Random responsibilities. Okay. Yeah. I can't even really remember. And the one thing I remember is I had to drive the grip truck home one night and I lived on Vista in Hollywood and I called my mom crying. I remember my, how am I going to drive and park this truck with all of this equipment in it? on my street this is insane <laughs> yeah california is not but known it, for park or la is not known for parking yeah but i did it yeah. i ended up doing it and everything was fine so yeah and then you also somebody recommended that you go become a look-alike for demi moore yeah. because you look like demi moore so then you actually got a job to be her stand-in on a few good men 
they have they have that's crazy too. They have these little crazy stories. Yeah, somebody told me that, and I like I, I scoffed. I said I would never do that. I thought it was ridiculous until I was so desperate desperately needing a job yeah. <laughs> that I thought, all right, well, what have I got to lose? And I thought maybe I'll get paid like a hundred bucks to do, I don't know, show up or do something and call it a day or maybe it'd be just, you know, random work. So I just, yeah. I went, they took my picture and they said, all right, we'll call you at this celebrity lookalike agency that the, that person had told me I should go to. And literally the following week, I got a call and they said, oh, we got some call. Why don't you just drive down? Here's the address. So using my Thomas guide, I drove down to the Culver Studios at the time. And and then I met the, ca- the casting, one of the casting directors. Mm-hmm. And he took me around and I said, hey, what's this for? And he, he said, oh, just follow me. And I said, okay. And I followed him. I ended up walking onto the set. It was a courtroom. And they were in the middle of shooting. I guess her real stand-in got sick. She got the flu. Oh. And I was standing in front of these men. I had no idea who they were. But I was just sort of out of, you know, place. I just moved here. I didn't Mm -hmm. really know what I was walking into. And it was... um, the DP, and I'm forgetting his name, but I can still see his face. And it was Rob Reiner. Oh my God. And one other person. And they said, Yeah, she's great. She'll just go get her in wardrobe. So I ended up going, I said, What is it? What am I doing? What is this for? And he, the person was like, You don't know who you just met? You don't know what this is? And I said, No, I have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Wow. And he, he really laughed hard. He goes, how long have you been in LA? <laughs> yeah, Rob Reiner's a big name. I, I said, a month. And, he, and then he went on to tell me, this is for this movie, and you're standing in for to me, and blah, blah, blah. And I said, oh, okay. You know, and at that point, I was like, this is amazing. I have the best luck in the world. <laughs> so when they do the, when you do the stand in, is that like when Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise are doing their monologues, are they doing it to you basically? Or how does that no. work? No. Okay. Usually it's, it's, um, you, you're on set standing in where they light. It's kind of a boring job. Really? Oh, really? Okay. But you can, you can learn a hell of a lot. Yeah. And I think I, I, I did. Cause I did it for weeks on end. I don't know. I don't know what happened to the other person, but I mm-hmm. did it for, I would say like the rest of the shoot. Okay. Um, it was how I ended up getting into the union at that time. And it was great, but yeah. I would, I would see bits and pieces of the interaction, but usually when the first team came on set, they had second team leads. So, mm. So you didn't have a lot of interactions with Jack Nicholson and Tom Cruise and Kevin Bacon, all those guys? No, I mean, I had mostly, it was, I would say hi and hello to me. And she had a couple babies at that time mm-hmm. who are now grown adults. <laughs> but later you would work um, with her as a, as a trainer, right? And her daughter. Yeah. Yeah. 
It's ironic. And I always thought that was funny and crazy and weird. And yeah. I mean, I, I told them, you know, and I had my little picture that I brought into a training session one day and I just thought, oh my God, this is so weird. I met you when you were a baby. <laughs> <laughs> so during this time too, you're, you're waitressing, you're at House of Blues, some other places. And there was times, yeah. I mean, it sounds like it, you, you know, you were struggling at points. Like you were, you were rolling, this must've been before Coinstar, but you were rolling pennies just to make money and, and you were getting free bread from somebody or whatever. So, and you did this for like four or five years, you were waitressing and kind of trying to still make it as an actress. Did you ever think of giving up at that point and just moving back to Vegas or trying somewhere else or trying a different career? Or? Oh, um, no, <laughs> no. I just always felt like there was no other option. What was huh. I going to go back to? Yeah. Was I going to go back to being a showgirl? No, I didn't want that life either. Yeah. So, so my intention was always to create a different life from what I grew up in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Which was a healthy, happy existence. Yeah. And have a real foundation and not, I, I don't know if I said, but we moved 21 times in Jeez. 19 years. That is a lot. In, when I grew up in Las Vegas. And literally, it was like from one part of town to the other part of town to the other part. It was just, it was so crazy. I never will understand that. But, um, yeah. That so, is crazy. So, the, I was wondering about this. So, you, the, your career kind of took a different path because you were doing a, um, I don't know if I say this right, Uga Hagen. Is that how I say it? Class? Uta Hagen. Uta Hagen. master class. Yeah, she's a teacher, a famous acting teacher from New York. Um, now, how did you, were, did you pay for that yourself with the waitressing money? Or how did you even, that's got to be expensive, right? It, yeah, really, it was at the time. But I was fortunate enough to study, I studied with Howard Fine when I first moved here. And asked, applied for a scholarship. Oh, which meant okay. basically clean the studio and, oh. you know, check people in and find them up for scenes. So I did that and I got to study for free. And when Uta Hagen came to teach, I was able to do that for free by being the stage manager and doing everything on scholarship and also, oh. you know, staying after cleaning the bathrooms and, you know, all the glamorous, <laughs> that you do yeah and then so this is the you were taking these classes and this is where you met the pilates instructor marie windsor who's like your mentor and no actually no? i know i met one of my friends in the acting class who i got paired with his name was vincent boyle and i knew he was always a pilates trainer but of course we got you when you work with your scene partners you get because you're rehearsing seven hours a day or that time it was a lot hmm. um we both were so frightened of Uta Hagen <laughs> we rehearsed and rehearsed and rehearsed oh. but um yeah I heard she was not so nice but nicer than Stella Adler so I was just again I was like I'm gonna rehearse my ass off but anyway he and I became very friendly and we were about to go on in front of her. I don't know if it was the first time or the second time with our scene. And we were doing a taste of honey, but the, the, 
we, I was dancing. I was just doing this pas de bourree, pas de bourree, pirouette, pirouette, and we were kidding around. And, and he just said, you know, and I said, prior, I was telling everybody, I'm looking for a job. I'm looking for a job. If you know of anybody, I'm looking for a job. And he said, you know what? We might be hiring at this Pilates studio. I'm going to call Mari. And I said, okay, great. I said, you know, at that time, he goes, if nothing else, you can work out for free. And I thought, oh my God, that would be amazing you know, to be able to do Pilates for free, um, that was unheard of. So I said, yeah, absolutely. I'll do whatever. And he called her and that's when that started. And then I eventually ended up meeting Mari. And you hounded her, right? You called her every week to ask if she was hiring. She said, I'm not hiring right now. And you just kept calling her every week to see if she, she was well, hiring. She said, she said, stay in touch because okay. she was on the road training, Sharon Stone at the time. And she said, when I come back, I'll meet you. I'll call you. And she, came back and she actually said, you know, we're not hiring business. It was summertime. I think slow. I thought I might need an extra person, but I really don't but stay in touch. Mm-hmm. And so I literally stayed in touch every week. How many weeks more. did it take until she hired you? Okay, it was um, in between six to eight weeks. Okay. That's not too bad. But that's that's persistence that you every week you just kept calling her. I just thought it was a really great opportunity yeah. because I'd ha- it would make me be healthy. Like I would have no choice, and I'd be surrounded by so what I thought would be healthy people. Mm. You know, <laughs> um, you were wrong on that. They were not healthy people. No, it was. Um, we were all like Mari's children. Okay, you know, and within that, it was. You know, they were all dancers and we were all dysfunctional and <laughs> crazy in our own way at that time. You know, it was the nineties and it was in Los Angeles and yeah, didn't I mean, you say life, that... life was great. You know, okay. it was the studio was happening and the parties and the fun and then the work. It was all just a really beautiful, great time in that era of the world or in my life for me, what kind of parties did you go to? Cause I mean, you know, for the average listener, they're not going to these Hollywood parties. I know you said like Madonna came in out of the studio one time. So did you get to invited to those like a list parties in Hollywood? Well, I, I mean, I did, I can't remember specifically whose party I went to, but yeah, at the beginning, of course, you're so excited to go. Um, and I always have fun. I always have fun wherever I go. <laughs> um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, it was the thing. It was, I can't, you know, you would get invited to movie premieres or clients. Clients you ended up working with would have their Christmas parties. Or, mm. like, I remember I was invited to, at the time, it was such a fun, fun party, Christmas party to go to was um, Stephen Bochco when he was alive. And he was such a nice man. And I was able to work with him and his lovely daughter, Melissa, for a really long time. And just I remember I would always be so excited going to their Christmas party. It was just beautiful. It was, you know. Who is that? Stephen? Um, what does he do? Oh, Stephen Bochco. He was a really, 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 really big um TV writer and oh, producer, okay. NYPD Blue. Oh, yeah, that's a big he one. He did 
tons and tons of shows and was, you know, Golden Globes, Emmys, um, you name it. Okay. But so while yeah. you were, um, when Marie finally hired you, when she first hired you, you were just answering phones and you were kind of like a personal assistant. And then you were also still waitressing at night. So you're going to this Pilates place at 6 a.m. And then you're waitressing at night. How long did you do like that double duty? Oh, I think a long time because I really wasn't making that much money doing the training stuff right away. Mm-hmm. So uh, six months. Wow. So how many hours a day were you working then? I was working around the clock pretty much. Jeez. I don't know how many hours, but the, you know, the waitressing at the house of blues was from, you know, it depended on who was playing, what time the first show went on Mm -hmm. and they brought the girls in on shift. So I always tried to be on the shortest shift because I had to wake up so early in the morning, which meant I would go in earlier. Yeah. So I would be one of the girls who was first cut. Okay. So then you yeah. s- you started, tr- you, then you finally were able to get a job as a trainer at this Pilates place. And then you heard that Courtney Love was going on the road and needed a trainer. And so you thought that was a good opportunity. And the girl that she offered it to passed. So then you got it and you, were, you ended up working with her for like 14 years, right? Yeah. Yeah. How crazy is that? Are you allowed to talk about any of that? Or did you have to sign like an NDA or... Yeah, I'm not, I mean, there's nothing really to talk about. I mean, I trained her and she was awesome and lovely with me, you know, mm-hmm. very nice and cool. It wasn't like I became really good friends with her and hung out with her. I mean, we did, she got me into Buddhism. Mm. Well, I, I had been into Buddhism, but we practiced the same Buddhism and I had stopped for a while. And I hadn't seen her, and then I then she had called me to see her, and then she started chanting again and asked me, and that sort of rebooted my my chanting when I was with Courtney, and then I chanted for a very very long time after that, and up until recently, I haven't been chanting during this whole quarantine thing. Mm. I just I haven't made the time. I've been sort of doing so many different things that. I always say this every day. I look up at the clock after waking up at 6 a.m. and it's five o'clock. And I say, where did the day go? (laughs) Yeah. I have so much left to do. That's crazy. Uh, Well, and then, so that led to working with Courtney Love. Then that led to working with Kate Hudson. And she actually put you in one of her movies, Bride Wars. I think you had a, you had a role in that. And that was like the peak of her career, right? I mean, you trained her for almost famous. I did. I did before she was, very famous. <laughs> <laughs> and how long did you work with her for? It was a long time. I'm right? um, over 20 years. Jeez. And are you, and are you I still mean, working I with was, her? I was still working with her up until the whole COVID situation. Mm. What other celebrities so, have you worked with? Um, I can't. I mean, I trained Anne Hathaway during her pregnancy. Wow. Um, who else have I worked with? I can't even, honestly, it's been oh, Ashley Benson, Anna Ferris. I love her. Um, yeah, she's great. Um, who else? I can't even, I literally, I would have to look at my website. <laughs> <I don't know. laughs> You've got a great uh, resume, though. Thank you. I've been really lucky. I've been very, very, I would say lucky. And then I'm 
very good at what I do. So it was just sort of that situation where I was prepared. You know, what is that that Robert Evans used to say? With timing and luck or being prepared and then the timing comes into play. It's just, I'm totally butchering it up anyway. (laughs) No, but I mean, um, you were cleaning the bathrooms at the studio at one point and then now you're training some, I mean, you really, you've had, you've struggled to get to where you are. I think that's what is really cool about your story. Thanks. Yeah. It's funny because I never look at it like that at all. But now when you say it, when you say it like that, yeah. Then I'm like, oh yeah, I clean toilets. <laughs> <laughs> like, I mean, you think of the times that you put in and how many people would have just given up and said, you know what, this, the Hollywood thing is not working. I'm moving somewhere else or I'm doing something else. And you just kept going with this um, dream that you had. I mean, it's really cool. And I mean, you're still doing some of the acting and stuff too, which we'll, we'll get to that. But so let's talk about like when you're trained with somebody like Kate Hudson or whoever, um, you have time to work with them. Like sometimes you said that they have to hit a certain weight for a movie. Like you have a short time, like one month and they have to be very strict. Like what's the biggest weight loss that you've seen in like a very short period of time? Oh, well, I guess, I mean, I have two that come to mind. One was after Kate had her first child, Ryder. She had to lose 75 pounds. Oh my god! And she was starting a film in three months. Wow. And that was, that was a grueling experience and it was hard, you know, because she had just had her baby and it was just, it was a lot. It was a lot mostly for her, mm-hmm. you know, and just to be there and be so supportive to motivate her, um, which was great because, you know, we became the best of friends because of that, you know, and I guess when you work out with someone, it's um, all about chemistry and energy, I think, at the end mm-hmm, of the day. Mm-hmm. And what what person motivates you or can make you laugh and get through a, a workout when you don't want to work out in a situation <laughs> like yeah. that, you know? So if that if that's a 20, 75 pounds, so that's like 25 pounds, that's almost like a pound a day. Like how how many hours do they have to work out? Because you also can't, you don't want to overdo it, right? Is there, I mean, what is the perfect number? Is it different for everybody or? Yeah, it's totally different for everyone. But we went on a workout, literally a workout regime, not immediately, but pretty immediately. And she was traveling. So I was lucky enough to be able to travel with her Mm -hmm. during that because, you know, I needed to get her into the gym. And, you know, her schedule is so crazy, crazy busy that it's really hard. You know, I think it's the last thing you want to do is when you're working all day is go into a gym, you know, Mm -hmm. or even work out. But you always feel better when you're done. Yeah. And you always get a second wind when you're done and you have more energy when you're done. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm -hmm. So do you have to do like once, is it one, like one really long workout or do you break it up into multiple or? With that, we were breaking it up into multiple workouts. We were doing about 14 workouts a week. So twice a day almost? One day off. Okay. So, yeah, it was about twice a day. Wow. And I think Wednesdays was the big day where we do three workouts. And it was cardio, Pilates, and weight. And how long are each of these workouts? An hour. Oh, so on Wednesdays she had spent well, three no, hours. Well, no, I mean it would be yeah, it'd be about three hours because it was wow. an hour of cardio, 
And then about either, well, you know, give or take 45 minutes to 50 minutes of weight training. And then we would do maybe Pilates at the end of a Wednesday, you know, and then it was like that. So, I mean, for her, for sure, that time, and I don't even know what year that was, but, uh, and then Anna Ferris, really, for House Bunny. She was in a bikini most of the movie. Oh, yeah, I remember that movie. Yeah, so, um, yeah, when and then, like, Kate was in a movie called School of Gold, where she was in a bikini <laughs> for most of that movie. So those were legit out, like, two-hour workouts every day, you know, Jeez. because... Well, and I think as an actor, I think you feel really comfortable when you're at your fittest, when you're wearing a bikini yeah. and you want to feel that way, you know? And so you obviously the, the workout is part of it, but now do you take over the, um, the diet part too? Do you tell them what to eat or do they have a separate person that does all that? Well, with someone like Kate, she's so healthy. She knows what to eat. She doesn't really need a diet person you know okay she's been doing it she grew up eating healthy so she really knows what to do for herself i don't really you know what i mean Mm -hmm. um it depends again it depends on the person yes if somebody needs that i usually i'm not a nutritionist Mm -hmm. but i can tell people what to eat or i refer them out to delivery services or um a really awesome nutritionist a nutritionist that I've worked with that I really like, and her name is Alyssa Goodman. And she's just mostly all about eating healthy, okay. you know, but when you are in a situation like that, it, believe it, it, you have to be eating healthy, but a lower amount of calories. Yeah. So you and said you're a big enough, fan of, of counting the calories, right? Is that? I am. Yeah. But that, that doesn't mean go eat a burger from McDonald's mm-hmm. and, means eating whole healthy food that will give you energy. And, and what is, because I hear so many things you hear, Oh, you got to do the keto. You got to do whole 30. You got to do vegan paleo. Does it, is it, you think there's uh, different diets that work different for, or work better for other people? Or do you think that everyone should eat a certain thing, a uh, certain way? No, I don't think that at all. I think people should do whatever they want. <laughs> Um, (laughs) like you've even said that you can, you shouldn't deprive yourself of food and you think like a cheat meal is good. Like what? Like once a week you said, like, if you want pizza or French fries, you should be able to do that. Right. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Because look, if you just deprive yourself, which I mean, I did a lot when I was in high school because I always fluctuated with my own weight. Mm -hmm. And whenever I was trying to deprive myself and go on a very, very, very strict diet, I would binge eat when I was done with that diet. It never made Mm. any sense. And like right now at this point in my life, I could kind of eat whatever I want. And I don't, I'm not super going to gain weight or lose anything by doing that, you know, but I don't want those foods because So isn't that part of it too, is the mindset you're not depressed to where you want to eat a bunch of junk food either. Like you might just crave things occasionally. Yeah, exactly. And so, yeah, I'm all about, go ahead, you know, have that. If you're really, really, really 
craving it. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, that's, that's Kate Hudson's fitness trainer said I could eat French fries. So I'm going to do it then. <laughs> no, don't quote me a thing that God knows. Well, what other, literally, yeah. literally that little segment will get posted I know, <laughs> and not the rest of what I said, but the way like the media is these days. I know, you know? right? They're so like, terrible. Nobody's going to care about my podcast but um what other tips can you give people to get in shape like during this lockdown i mean all most of the gyms are closed so i've been doing a lot of hiking and swimming i don't know if that's good but i see that you have some videos up about working i think i saw one of your videos like you weren't even using weights or anything you had a bunch of little things that people can do do you have other um tips for people yeah, to work out yeah. for, well there's so much access today to youtube mm-hmm. and instagram and people are doing it, every, you know, everywhere. There's so the market is flooded right now with trainers. Yeah, and they're so. It's just you know, find someone you like that's going to motivate you, and do. For me, right now, um, the workouts I've been doing has been thirty minute workouts, and they're they're great for what I'm doing right now. I mean, I'm not trying to get in shape for anything in particular. But I also, like everyone else, don't want to gain 15 pounds during this quarantine. Mm -hmm. So I'm just trying to do a little bit every day with whatever else I'm juggling. And even if you can do 15 minutes, that's better. Because at the end of the week, you're going to have workout every single day. So it's not like you're going to, A, feel like you're starting over. And B, you will have accomplished something. And also, it just trying to eat super organic and healthy with whole foods, nothing cooked, processed, fried, you know, salads and fish and chicken. And it's summertime, so you can always grill, you know, if you're lucky enough to have access to a grill. Um, or even if you have a little patio, buy a little grill and barbecue some steaks or mm. vegetables or, you know, and eat that with a salad. Do you try to it's, cut the carbs? Do you think that helps? I, I personally, yeah. If I eat pasta, I try to eat rice pasta or a lentil pasta or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, but, what, you know, once in a while, I want a piece of toast. So I'll have a piece of toast. Hmm. So it's, um, it's more just about cutting the carbs down, not cutting them out completely. Yeah. 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 And I don't have pasta every single night. Sure. Now, have a chicken, you know, yeah. break it up. So you make things instead of fry them. If you want, you're craving French fries, and you know you're going to eat French fries every night. Then cut potatoes, put a little olive oil on them, and bake them. Mm, that sounds good. Instead of fry them, you know, yeah, you can bake so many things. Well, that's good, lit, and it's so quick and easy. Salmon, olive oil, salt and pepper. Boom in the oven, five six minutes, or you know, there's just so many different ways. You can do things quickly. Yeah. I also post cooking videos. I'm oh, not good. a chef by any means. But <laughs> now you have what Vimeo channel and a YouTube. And do you also have an app in the app store? I do, but I don't refer people to it that much anymore because oh, okay. with Apple, when I did it, every time Apple doesn't update, I have to update the app. So, and every time I had to update the app, it was so 
it wasn't cost effective for mm. me because I was putting so much money into the updates. I could never catch up with any earnings on it. So, yeah. um, and then, you know, Apple made me, uh, they took, they had approved all the videos and then they took them down and then they said, Oh, now you need to make an in-app purchase. Oh. It was just such, they were such a pain in the ass. That sounds annoying. That yeah. they're, they're still up. I'm not even sure if they work, to oh. be honest with you, because I haven't done any updates on them. Um, but Vimeo has all the Vimeo, same workout. Okay. Um, Is that free then, or do people pay? Those are paying. Those okay. are 100%. They cost, they're like $3.99 for a single workout, or you can buy all of them, I think. Oh, okay. I don't, for one price, or you can buy one, you know, for two ninety nine. it's two ninety nine or two ninety nine. I don't know. But that was all up before, prior to this whole COVID thing. So then what I started, but I've always posted mini free workouts up on my Instagram. Mm-hmm. So okay. there's that option as well. Yeah, I think and I saw I some always, on YouTube too. Yeah. yeah. So, and all the Instagram videos that I've done with the yoga, my yoga girl, Debbie uh, Bartlett. So those are all free. Okay. And those are all 15 minutes of yoga, 15 minutes of Pilates. They're on um, my Instagram television. And then we also do workouts with um, Andrea Orbeck and she does plyometrics and she does free workouts on Sunday for 30 minutes. And those are really hard. And oh. that's with weight. So if you want to try that, I highly recommend her workouts. They're, they're really kick butt. So you've worked with a lot of the famous women in Hollywood. Did you ever work with any men in Hollywood? Like how do I, as a man get, how do I get those like six pack abs? And I want like the buff, like ripped, uh, 1980 Schwarzenegger body without cheating and doing the steroids. What, what do you tips do you have for me? Well, I mean, you have to eat a lot and you have to eat all day and you have to lift weights. But how does it not go just directly to my gut so I don't have a big beer gut? How do I, how do I get it to go well, to my shoulders and my arms? You're lifting weights. You're sculpting oh. as, you're, as you're eating all of the calories you need to eat. How many? And so this is like a two or three hour workout a day? Is that that's what I have to do? Not necessarily two or three hours, but you have to be eating and really hitting an intense, hard, heavy lifting workout. Oh, okay. But so how does it consistently, consistently too. And how does it not, how do you get this, like the flat stomach? So it doesn't get like the beer gut stomach though. Cause if you're eating a lot and even if you're working out, I feel like, do you have to like, is that cutting carbs more? What is this Hollywood secret for that? The Hollywood secret. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I think it's doing lots of abdominal work as well. Your stomach is pretty much your diet of what you eat. All right. Well, and, I'll get working on that. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Lots of abdominals. I got the time, you know, we got the lockdown. I can't really go anywhere. So I know it's so crazy. But I so besides the working out, you've also, like we said, you did some acting, right? You were in the Kate Hudson movie. You did an episode of Criminal Minds, VIP. You did an episode of Ray Donovan. What was it like being that on that That was my set? last job. Yeah, that look. We just started watching that show again because you know we got time, and uh, that that guy's Liv Schreiber. He's so intense. Does he, he? I don't think he ever smiles in the entire show, but I'm guessing in real life he's got to smile a little bit, right? 
well, I didn't work with him. I worked with his wife. Um, the the episode I was in. Okay. And she's pretty. She's equally intense. Yeah. Paula Malcolmson. Mm-hmm. But she was so nice and lovely to work with, and it was a really fun scene that we did. So, um, it was kind of funny, and uh, yeah, it was great. It was it was exciting, and then I ended up getting pregnant. And then I had gotten another acting job, but then they found out I was pregnant and they just didn't want to take any chances or whatever. So I ended up losing that job. Unfortunately, even though the director knew I was pregnant and okayed it, I don't know, somebody went above somebody. And that like, sounds no like way. a lawsuit. Can you say who that was? Or was that, <laughs> is that No, uh, there's no point. It was so many years ago. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. So... And after that, I just kind of thought, you know what? I'm just going to start writing my own stuff. Yeah. So tell us about that. You have a you have a book coming out called Vegas Baby, and then Kate well, Hudson's. Well, I gonna... wish it was coming out. I wish it was coming out. Oh. It's not. I haven't been able to find a publisher for oh. it. But, but you're going to write a yeah. script off that, and you're going to have Kate Hudson star in it, right? Hopefully. Well, that's the plan. That was okay. the plan. I did. I did write a script, and we did. We did have um, somebody do a rewrite on it. Um, her name was Kate Dillon, and and then Kate ended up getting pregnant, and then then this whole COVID thing happened. Oh. So it's just, and now I'm sure it's like on the bottom of the list. So because I'm sure you know she's everyone's backed up, mm-hmm, you know, with things mm-hmm. that pay money sure yeah so yeah that is that is the plan so but while i was you know work i did that i let that go and then i wanted to write i wrote a comedy which i really really loved so much and it was so much fun completely different from vegas baby or vegas girl it goes the the book is vegas baby okay called vegas girl but um, the comedy is called The Egg and I. Yeah. So I finally really buckled down and did that. And I, you know, finished it. And I was not sure of it, obviously. You know, people got my sense of humor. So that is, I entered that in some script festivals and was lucky enough to win several awards for that for comedy scripts which was exciting nice and then i just recently did a rewrite on it and it's even better and um then while i was like taking breaks in between that i wrote a short called 40-ish which i sort of set aside because i think i went in an audition and someone was telling me, oh, well, it was the most bizarre statement I had ever heard about my age. And age was always, you know, a factor. Mm-hmm. Well, you don't really look 50, but you also don't look 35. <laughs> and, you know, it's, you know, so how old are you? And then, um, and then one, another thing happened with my age where I was up to play John Goodman's wife. Oh, and wow. And I was recommended for the part, and it was a movie that Kevin Smith was directing. Nice. And a casting director, you know, recommended me straight away. I wasn't going to have to audition. And they called my agent, and they said, well, how old is she? 
So my agent called me. He's like, okay, listen, I really need to know how old you are. And I lied, you know? <laughs> and he said, no, really tell me because if it's not your real age, it could be beneficial if you tell me your real age. Oh. So I finally told him my real age and he's like, and they're going to know because you're going to have to fill out the social security form anyway. Uh, right, so better yeah. just to tell me the truth. So I did. And then they were like, then they said, she doesn't look old enough what? to play his wife, which uh. is just so, you know. So anyway, I mean, these are the stories and the things that I would hear throughout the course of the years. So I wrote this script. 40-ish about never being the right age at um, the right casting, right? It's yeah. always like the wrong age. It was such a subject of, huh. of my career. Just so funny. So um, the casting director is pretty heartless in Hollywood then. Like I'm just picturing that scene in Knocked Up, you know what I'm talking about, where she's she works for the E! Channel and they want to put her on camera, but she's pregnant and they're like, they want her to lose weight, but they, they can't actually tell her to lose weight. Is it, is it kind of, is that a parody accurate? Well, I don't know about that scenario, but yeah, I mean, I've, I have a handful of casting directors, I could say, who were really lovely when you went yeah. in and gave you their time and were respectful. But I haven't auditioned in quite some time right now. I, you know, maybe that's changed. Maybe mm -hmm. they're more... Mm. they're nicer now, especially with everything that's gone on in the world and yeah. all the meat meets you stuff. Yeah. But yeah, there were some that were just, you know, not nice. And they would just say, hmm. you know, not even look up from their paper and Jeez. give you adjustments or just like, yeah, thanks for coming in, you know, oh, and you're, just, that's you're it. tougher than I, I don't know if I could take that kind of like treatment. <laughs> I don't know. It, well, it's not, it's not like I don't have to have that. Mm -hmm. I like doing the work, the actual work. I love theater. I love plays. I love playwrights. Um, and I just, I love seeing great theater. Yeah. So that's, that's I mean, I hope exciting. I'm able to do a play again soon. Oh, you did. So you did awesome. plays too, in addition to all the TV work that you've got. Mm-hmm. Oh, that's exciting. That's fun. And then yeah, you also, the best. this is, you're like a Renaissance woman. You've also created this thing. Um, I don't know that it'd be necessarily that something that I would use, but for women, it's called sure. a fit bib. That's like some sort of thing that women wear around their neck and chest to protect from sun damage. It's like a moisture wicking thing. Did you, did you ever try to like take that on shark tank or anything or no, but I've been told I should go on shark tank. Yeah, I don't really want to go on television for that. I just want, <laughs> I just want to sell my product because yeah. I think it's a really, really great idea. Uh -huh. And, and I think a lot of women could benefit from it. And I just, I believe in it so much. And I did submit it to this program that's run by the mayor's office of Los Angeles. It's called the Bixel Exchange. Okay. And it's um, a tech accelerator, um, which means that you apply and if they like what your idea is, they take you on and then they give you a mentor. And you get to work with that mentor to help your produce your product. Hmm. And they really try to push you to help you sell it and grow it. So one of the great things about quarantine was during all this time and 
during all the many applications I was filling out, I applied to this Vixel Exchange program, which I would never have had the time or had seen had I kept going at the rate I was going. And I got accepted. Hmm. So it's allowed me to, you know, focus my attention on other things. That's great. Um, yeah. So people and people can still buy this thing at fitbib.com, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. Fitbib.com. And yeah, my workout videos are on vimeo.com. <laughs> yeah. You got all sorts of stuff. So, and you were, you say that you were motivated, uh, by change. Like you really wanted to change your life. You didn't want to be a victim of your circumstances and you wanted to become better than what you grew up. And it sounds like you've achieved that. And, and also it sounds like you, you have a lot more stuff that you still want to do though. Right. Yeah, for sure. I still, I'm not like completely, completely, I don't feel like, oh, I'm exactly where I want to be, but I'm pretty mm-hmm. damn close. Wow. Where exactly do you want to be? What, what would be different? Well, I mean, being able to, I love the house I live in, mm-hmm. but it, I would love to own a house, you know, mm-hmm. that sort of thing. Um or be able to afford to buy a house. I mean, I'm sure I could afford a house, not in Los Angeles. <laughs> yeah, that's expensive <laughs> to live there. Jeez. Yeah, you could probably afford where, it. Where do you live? Uh, Scottsdale, Arizona. Do you ever go oh, out here? Oh, wow. Yeah, it's beautiful out here. It's, one of, it's supposed to be one of the best cities in the country for the size, you know? I, I've been there. I don't know when, but I know I've been there. I can't remember why. But, um, no, it's, I love the desert by the way. So. Yeah, no, I love it too. It just, it gets hot in the summer, but you know, someday I want to get, that would be my goal is to have like a, a summer home or, or an RV I could take and just, you know, leave the desert for a few months in the summer. Cause the rest of the year it's from like basically October through early June. It's perfect. Yeah. Um, I want a house with a pool, you know, oh, yeah, and not have to worry about paying the mortgage. That's when I'll know that. I'm where I'm at, where I want to be. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think you'll get there. You, you've definitely done a lot. So I, I'm really impressed by your work ethic and your story. I think it's really cool that you just, you just kept oh, going, that's so you know? Sweet. Yeah. It's Thank amazing. You. I will, you know, I don't think I had any other options. It's not like I had really had a family. I could go back to the family business, mm-hmm. you know? Right. And I, this is my mom, you know, and she's barely, you know, she's, trying to keep herself afloat. So it's, it was like, this has got to, something's got to work out. (laughs) I don't have any other options. Yeah. So I think really that might've been my only motivating factor. (laughs) Yeah. Well, that's like, I mean, that's a way to do it. I think some people, if they, if they have that safety net, so it's like you, like you sometimes have to cut the safety net or if you don't have a safety net, that actually works to your advantage then, I guess. I, I, well, I think I made it work to my advantage. And then, you know, my mom did, she was great. I mean, in the way of always being so supportive and teaching me to never give up and just to keep striving for my dreams. So, mm-hmm. you know, that's what 40 ish is actually about, which is, you know, um, it's more about, it's not so much about age. It's, it's about being older in Hollywood and still pursuing your dream is what it really is about. Um, and yeah, that was funny because that was just a script I just sort of wrote and put aside. I was super impressed by Vin Diesel's short 
And I thought, oh my God, I said I could do a script kind of like this, mm-hmm. but use my, my lemons, which was my age, you know, <laughs> and he used his race of okay. him never being the right race, you know? Oh, so, I haven't seen the Vin Diesel one. That's, that'll be, that's so it. Check it check out. out. It's yeah. really cool. When does yours but, come um, out? Is it in a, how will we watch it? Will it be on Vimeo or? Well, right now we just, we, a few weeks ago, it just came out of post. It took over a year to do. I can't even believe that, but it came out better than I could have ever expected it to, or had ever imagined it to, which is just so exciting to me. It's so hopeful. Cause you never know when you're shooting anything. Mm-hmm, right. um, and that I didn't even plan on shooting, by the way, it was um, one of my friends that I grew up in with Vegas was, and he's very successful now. He told me to watch his interview on Tony Robbins. So sort of at the same time, I had given the script to a friend of mine who I knew from acting class, who also produced my play. She's also a producer and produced another short film that I had done. And she said, me, you to make this. You got to really, this is great. And I said, really? Do, and I said, I don't have any money because I used to just produce my own stuff. Mm-hmm. She said, well, do an India Gogo. And oh. I, said, I said, no, again, no way. I said, that makes me so uncomfortable. And why would anyone want to give me any money? Because there are people, they, you know, that really need money out there. And I just, the whole thing of it made me feel so uncomfortable. And she said, you know, there, as, for as many people that actually really need money, there are people who would like to give money to put good into the world. And this is a really funny, funny project and people need to laugh. Definitely. And I went, oh, okay. I never thought of it like that. <laughs> yeah. And my, my whole thing is like, do things that make you uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. So... You know, I'm like posting that shit on, sorry, I said shit, um, <laughs> on Instagram, um, posting that, you know, you go outside of your norm, yeah. do something difficult, you Great know, advice. So I said, oh my God, I need to put my money where my mouth is and actually do this because it makes me squirm in my chair. <laughs> and, and I did it and we raised about $6,200 and we were able to shoot the short. And it just is, I'm so excited about that. So we are not, we're submitting to, I'm waiting to submit it to a few festivals and then we'll, I'll do the whole film festival circuit. But there's a couple festivals um, we're waiting to submit to and we'll take it from there. Oh, that's exciting. Well, that's great. And um, as you know, I always like to end with a a charity that uh, you're passionate about. And so you had mentioned uh, ALS Foundation. That's a, that's a big one. So talk yeah, about that. Well, my mentor ended up leaving us this year also from ALS, which is oh. just the craziest and most unimaginable uh, disease ever. So, I mean, I feel deeply connected to that charity. So, yes, um, that would be my charity of choice because after all, and and also, believe it or not, the one thing I did find out about my father was he had a heart attack due to ALS. Oh, so, wow. 
um, it's crazy. It's a that, double, yeah. double hit for me, you know? Yeah. And it's crazy that, you know, somebody who's as healthy as a Pilates instructor, I mean, that's, what's so devastating about this disease. It doesn't, it doesn't choose unhealthy people. I mean, it can hit anybody. It's a genetic thing. It's really sad. It's so crazy. Yeah. And scary, you know, because I do wonder, I'm like, is it genetic? It says my father died of it. So it's just, yeah. Yeah. Well, so hopefully, so we'll hopefully get a, people yeah. donate enough money. We can find a cure for that someday. But, um, well, I mean, you've really overcome a lot of adversity. You worked hard. You, I think your work ethic has paid off and you're not done yet. Like I said, so I'm hoping to keep following your career and, and see all these great projects you having have coming up. I think you also have a, is there anything else you want to promote? I think there was another movie cellular. Is that coming up? What is that one about? Oh, that's, um, no, that's not mine. That's my friend's movie. Okay. But you're in my it, right? My friend Anthony. No, I'm not even in that. Oh, well then IMDb <laughs> is screwed up then. <laughs> That's funny. Oh, maybe I'm on his IMDb. I was supposed to be in it and I think he ended up moving. I don't uh-huh. know. But I was in his other project, some pilot thing. Okay. Um called Greenlight. Greenlight. Yeah, yeah. That's it. Okay. Now That's, that's on Amazon. Oh, okay. You you have like five episodes in that one, right? Five or six? Um, I'm actually only in one. Oh, really? Yeah. Weird. Okay. Mm. I think that might be another. And you were on uh, you're on House of Lies and uh, George Lopez, Criminal Minds, VIP. You've got a lot of uh, TV credits. Pretty cool. Thanks. I mean, they're all very old, but yeah. <laughs> Well, I'm excited for the new one and I'm excited to see what else you do. So, and if the book ever comes out, I'll, I'll definitely check that out as well. So that'd be great. All right. Well, thank you so much for coming on my show. I really appreciate it. Oh, thank you for having me. Thanks right. for um, interviewing me. Yeah. It was a lot appreciate of fun. It. it was nice learning about you. Thank you. Okay. Well, have a good day. Nice meeting you. Nice meeting okay, you. You too. All right, have bye-bye. a good day. All right. Bye. Oh, that was so much fun. Thank you, Nicole, for coming on my show. Uh, If you want to learn Pilates from the best, check out her Instagram and YouTube videos. Those are free. Um, Or if you want to pay, you can check out her Vimeo videos for the more thorough workouts. Uh, And we'll definitely keep an eye out for her short film, 40-ish, when that comes out. And the longer movie, Vegas Baby or Vegas Girl. Uh, It's a book and movie about her life in Vegas. Uh, Possibly Kate Hudson will be playing her in the movie, so that's exciting. Um, I will definitely post that stuff on my Facebook page, so make sure to follow me there. And you can also find me on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, If you enjoyed the show, let me know by writing a nice review and remember to subscribe so that you don't ever miss any episodes. Uh, Until next time, make sure you have a great day or night if you're listening at night and shoot for the moon.